0: to see a purpose church I'm so glad that you're online and that we're online uh, together so so wonderful and today we're going to continue our series uh, seeing Jesus through the eyes of Luke but you know there are three things I'd like to do before we get in into our study uh, that I just uh, feel that I'd like to share with you um, the first is I would like to ask you to pray, and be inviting people to our Easter services on April 17th. And so we've got uh, invitation cards. And I want you to start to pray now. Uh, first, how many of these are you going to hand out just to people that you run into and that you see? And, 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 and then your oikos, the Greek word for household, uh, the 8 to 15 that are, are closest, that you do life with, that you work with, you go to school with, in your neighborhood, in your family, Those are going to be the most important to hand these to because you've got a relationship and so they're most likely uh, to say yes or bring them with you and go to lunch with them afterwards. It's just going to be such a great day. We'll give you more details in the weeks ahead. But right now I want you to pray about how many of these you're going to share just to everybody you see in the next few weeks until Easter and then particularly in that 8 to 15 that you've built a relationship with. Uh, who are you going to invite uh, to come to our Easter services? And I always promise you that if you bring them, I'll share Jesus with them. I'll make it clear how they can go to heaven, how they can be right with God. You get them here, I will share that on uh, Easter uh, Sunday. Um, either our online services, you know, you, it's a great invite, an easy, easier invite to invite them to watch online but then uh, in-person is so important as well to invite them to. And uh, which, Lord willing, our in-person services on Easter Sunday, Lord willing, are going to be back at our new worship center. So there's a double invite, not only Easter, but the new worship center as well. Now, there are all kinds of different ways to promote this, and you'll be hearing those in the weeks ahead. But today, I would like to highlight... Uh, A great Purpose Church tradition, the Easter bumper sticker. This is a great, great uh, tradition that we have here at Purpose Church. Even though uh, we will be on our own campus uh, and not at the Fairplex this year, we will continue this grand tradition. Now, this video that I want to show to you was made almost three years ago. But because of the pandemic, we're just now... Uh, getting to use it, so let's watch this. Hi, this is Pastor Glenn. I know I'm always begging you to put an Easter at the Fairplex bumper sticker on your car, but many of you are afraid that it won't come off and it'll leave the residue afterwards. And these are Christian bumper stickers. These are Purpose Church Christian bumper stickers. They come off easily. And I always say that to you, but I want to take a very risky move and demonstrate it on live camera. This is June 5th, 2019. To make it even more difficult, these have been on my cars. These are family cars, by the way, this is my car. That's Kimberly's car. That's our missionary car uh, for our kids when they come back from Peru. They have been on our family cars for almost three months. We're only asking you to put it on your car for about three weeks. They have been on for a long time, and so that will make this test even more difficult. I feel like Elijah on Mount Carmel, who uh, put water on the sacrifice to make it even more challenging for God to send fire down and in order to consume the sacrifice. So the odds are not in my favor, but we're still going to give this a try. How long will it take me to take three bumper stickers off three of the Gunderson family cars? Okay, timers, are you ready? Here we go. That's one. That's two. That's three. Now, there's a final part to this. Once you've taken the bumper sticker off, now you put a Purpose Church logo on your car. There are three different ways you can do this or any variety of ways that you choose to do. Here's got the name on the back with the logo on the side. Kimberly's car has the logo on the back with the name on the side. The Peruvian missionary car has the logo on the gas cap cover Put the name on the bumper sticker. You pick any variety of ways that you want to display your Purpose Church swag on your car. I am so glad this worked, because if it hadn't, you wouldn't be seeing this video right now. All right, so get those bumper stickers, put them on your car. And then there's a second thing I would like us to do, uh, to have you, our online uh, family, Uh, pray a guided prayer for Ukraine, uh, which we did at our in-person services last Sunday. And would you please say out loud, Lord, have mercy upon us. And we're gonna see the significance of that phrase at the end of our message today. Lord, have mercy upon us and grant us peace. And say it right there uh, from your chair in your living room or at your computer or in your car if you're listening to this uh, later on. Lord, have mercy upon us and grant us peace. Let's watch this together.
1: Because we want to take a moment and lift up the concerns of our brothers and sisters in Ukraine, we thought it'd be really special to invite up Kasha Disney up here. If you guys could welcome Kasha Disney, go ahead and give her a round of applause and welcome her. Kasha. Kasia is one of our key staff members in our finance department, uh, and she immigrated from Poland, so grew up, born and raised in Poland, immigrated here to the United States, and just recently became a citizen of the United States, which is really, really awesome, and uh, and this whole thing is personal for her. her. Her family lives about 10 hours away from Kiev, and, and, and she, you know, fearing like many are that Poland might be next, and as they're taking in refugees uh, from the Ukraine, this, this obviously is something that's close to Kasha's heart, and, and Kasha and the rest of us are, are passionate about lifting up our brothers and sisters in the Ukraine. And so what, what Kasha's gonna do is she's gonna read a prayer for us, and it'll be kind of a call and response. So she's gonna read the leader portion, and then during the all portion, and we're going to respond together. And so thank you so much, Kasha.
2: Thank you, Eric. Father God, King of all nations, we cry out to you now for the people of Ukraine. We ask you to rescue those who are vulnerable from the hands of their enemies. that They may live without fear. Lord, may your peace overcome all hatred, conflict, and war.
1: Lord, have mercy upon us. And grant us peace.
2: Lord of, all, of Lords and Prince of Peace, we acknowledge that you reign on high and are greater than any worldly government. We ask that you be with all world leaders that are working to facilitate an end to the violence. Give your supernatural wisdom beyond human wisdom to peacemakers and delegates.
1: Lord, have mercy upon us and grant us peace.
2: Holy Spirit, we pray for the church in Ukraine, a nation in which 70% of the population consider themselves Christians. Give our many brothers and sisters in that nation courage to proclaim the good news of your kingdom. Bind up broken hearts and bring comfort to all who mourn. We lift up all believers, churches, pastors, missionaries, Bible teachers and the 548 Awana clubs that disciple over 25,000 children in Ukraine.
1: Lord, have mercy upon us and grant us peace.
2: Heavenly Father, please protect all the men of Ukraine who now must take up arms to defend their country. Be with the families of these men. May the women and children be safe while their sons, brothers, husbands, and fathers are fighting for freedom.
1: Lord, have mercy upon us and grant us peace.
2: Father, we lift up the country of Poland and all countries that surround Ukraine. Protect them as they are accepting refugees, providing financial or military support, and are offering humanitarian aid. God, we ask that you provide them with resources and strength.
1: Lord, have mercy upon us and grant us peace.
2: Almighty God, you are all powerful. We ask you now to save the lives of all the people in Ukraine. You, Lord, are our rock, our fortress, and our deliverer. Our hope is in you. May every nation on earth be still and know that you are God. May you be exalted among the nations. May you be exalted all over the earth.
1: Lord, have mercy upon us and and grant grant us peace. peace. Amen
0: and amen. And finally, I want to thank you for your giving uh, to Purpose Church and through Purpose Church. Uh, We partner with Maris and Agnes Vittols in Latvia. And a number of years back, I did a pastor's conference with a couple hundred of pastors uh, in Riga, Latvia, and what wonderful people of God uh, they were there in, in Latvia. And, and they are helping. Uh, you support them. You Through your giving at Purpose Church, you support them. And they are helping with Ukrainian refugees. And then one of the churches that you have supported for many years uh, is the city church in uh, Klopeda, Kla- uh, uh, And uh, that is in Lithuania, Latvia. I just showed you the Vitals in Latvia and uh, the Klaipeda Church, a city church in Klaipeda, Lithuania. Uh, Here's Poland that we were just talking about. Here's the Ukraine and here's Russia and Belarus. And so one of uh, these churches has been pastored by Saul and Sana Karosis and you have been involved for years in supporting them. Pastor Saul has uh, preached at our, has spoken at our church. And you, a few years back, helped their church purchase the old Russian hotel in Klapeda And this hotel is now taking in refugees from Ukraine in the name of Jesus. Now think about that for a minute. God-led Purpose Church years ago to help purchase a Russian, an old Russian hotel in in Lithuania, in uh, Klaipeda, Lithuania. And it is now, God God went ahead of those refugees through you, prepared a place for them to come to that you helped purchase, and now those faces are in that place um, because of your faithfulness Uh, down through the years, and I just, um, I uh, praise God for how he is using you today uh, for the taking in of refugees from Ukraine in the name of Jesus. Well, now the title of today's study is from Luke chapter 17, Sin, Faith, Duty, and Gratitude. We're going to look at these four things that Jesus talks about here in the first half of Luke chapter 17. Verse 1, Jesus said to his disciples, things that cause people to stumble are bound to come. Now, this word stumble uh, is uh, from the Greek word scandalon. and scandalon is a stick holding open a baited trap or a tripwire. Here's, here's an example of uh, what that is. This is, you put the bait down under here, you have the, the rope pulling the stick when the animal or whatever gets in there, and the trap uh, falls. There are a couple of different versions that I found uh, online about this. Here's one that the bait is Cheetos or Doritos. Uh, Here's another one called a Canadian uh, trap uh, that has free beer underneath a hockey goal uh, with a hockey stick that gets pulled off if they fall into it. But the bottom line is you're attracted to the bait and then the trap falls on you. Okay, let's get, let's get very serious um, r- right now. Uh, verse one, let's go back to verse one. But woe to anyone through whom they come. Going on to verse two. It would be better for them to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around their neck than to cause one of these little ones to stumble, now millstone was a heavy uh, stone. Uh, if we go to a picture of a millstone, there a heavy stone used for um, grinding grain. And uh, little ones here in this passage means young believers, new believers, or people that the world takes little notice of. And 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 Jesus said, uh, now going to the millstone, it would be better for a millstone to be around our neck and thrown into the sea than to cause one of them to scandal on, to be baited into a trap uh, that causes their uh, downfall. And then finally in verse three, he says, so watch yourselves. The Greek word here is posatio, which means to be in a state of alert, to be concerned about. And the present imperative tense of this Greek verb, Calls for ongoing alertness. Continue to be alert. Continue to watch yourselves. Now, there are extreme examples of this down to more everyday examples of this. Uh, Certainly, someone selling drugs to young people. Jesus says it would be better for a millstone uh, to be put around their neck and thrown into the sea than the judgment that they will one day face for selling drugs to young people. Somebody that lures somebody, a young person, uh, into human trafficking. Better for a millstone to be um, uh, be bound. Uh, It would be better for them to be thrown into the sea with a millstone around their neck than to cause one of these little ones, these new believers, these young believers, these young people, children, uh, to stumble, scandal on, to fall into a trap. Um, But it's these extreme examples like human trafficking and selling drugs. But how about being mean to a child in the church? That could be a stumbling block that will keep them from Jesus in the years ahead. Or being harsh uh, with a new believer or a new believer seeing us do something that's hypocritical. Jesus says to cause one of these young believers or one of these younger age-wise believers or they've just come to Christ, to cause them in any way by our example or bad example or or, or by our um, not being living godly and Christ-like in front of them to cause them to stumble. Jesus said it would be better for a millstone to be put around our neck, thrown into the sea than for us to do that. Uh, to one of these that Jesus loves so, so much. And then uh, verse three, he goes on to say, if your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. And if they repent, forgive them. Let's leave it on that verse for just a moment. He says, when somebody sins against you, rebuke them. But then if they repent, be quick to forgive them. Be quick to show them how they've uh, hurt you. But then, if they repent, be quick to forgive them. You know, uh, Jesus is saying, he's not saying, that the one who offends you shouldn't be rebuked. He or she should be made to appreciate uh, their fault. But if they sincerely repent, they should be forgiven. You know, my wife, Kimberly, it's one of the things I love and and admire and appreciate about her is, is that she is, she is quick to rebuke. I used to think I was the spiritual one in the relationship because I would hold in my feelings for a long period of time and then just randomly blow up at some time in the future as these offenses accumulated. And I used to think I was the, the uh, godly one. I was the biblical one. Not true. Uh, Kimberly is the model of this. She will uh, quickly point out something if if it wounds her and that enables me to grow in the relationship. But then she's just amazing how quick she is to forgive and she completely puts it out of her mind. And that's how you grow in a relationship. Uh, Glenn, here's how you you may have wounded me in that way. Oh, thank you. I I didn't realize. Uh, That's okay. Uh, I, I repent. I'm sorry. All right? Then I forgive you and she completely forgets about it. So quick to rebuke, quick to forgive, quick to uh, forget. Uh, Goes on, let's go on to verse 4 now. He says, even if they sin against you seven times in a day, and seven times come back to you saying, I repent, you must forgive them. Seven times. How can that be? Seven times. Well, we forgive like God has forgiven us. How many times? Has God forgiven us for the same thing over and over again we are to do to others as God has done to us? Now, whenever I say this, people struggle, I know, So, and I've said this before, but I, I can't say it too many times, that um, forgiveness is not a feeling. You know, people say, Pastor Glenn, I just, I don't know if I can forgive that person. They're confusing forgiveness with a feeling. No, I'm not saying you're going to have warm fuzzies towards that person that deeply wounded you. What I like to do is imagine myself in a trial, and God's the judge, and, um, and, and this person is standing before the judge, and I say, maybe through gritted teeth, my heart's not in it at all. I may not have any feelings at all uh, of, of warmness towards this person, but by an act of my will, I say to God, it's up to you to judge. I drop my charges. You deal with it, God, with this person as you see fit. That's forgiveness, and and you may not have those feelings go away of anger and hurt and woundedness towards that person until you get to heaven, but you've done your part as an act of your will to say, I forgive that person, has nothing to do with feelings, Uh, so don't let Satan say to you, oh, you haven't forgiven that person, you're in big trouble uh, because you don't feel uh, butterflies and rainbows when that person walks into the room. You don't feel all fuzzy. It's like, no, 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 no. The, those feelings, you, you, the, you, you forgive the person based on the facts of Jesus dying for you on the cross. You do it as an act of your will, and then feelings will fall, follow uh, later on, or at least in heaven, uh, that will take place. And, and it's not saying you shouldn't remove yourself from a toxic place where people continue Uh, to wound you. If you can leave the job with the toxic boss, do it. If you have a toxic friendship, friendship, drop it. Uh, Now the disciples, like us, were like, Jesus, that's really, really hard. And so that leads to the next thing, which is faith. It takes a lot of faith to forgive in that way. Verse 5, the apostles said to the Lord, Increase our faith. If I've got to forgive somebody seven times, which means infinitely, that's what he means, not literally seven and then you're done, infinitely. If i got to do that, oh God, increase our faith. He replied, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea and it will obey you. So Jesus is saying, take the little faith that you have And great things can happen even with a little bit of faith. Uh, The mustard seed was proverbial for its small size. That is a a common thing back then would be to say something's as small as a mustard seed. Uh, The mulberry tree, on the other hand, uh, grew to a height of about 35 feet and its roots uh, would have been very hard to uproot. Uh, The Jewish rabbis used to say that the roots of a mulberry tree would remain in the ground for 600 years. But Jesus said, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you will be able to uproot that and, and, and have it dealt with and thrown into the sea. Now think about that for a minute. This is known for deep roots. It's known for longevity. And yet faith as small as that can deal with something that's as longevity. It's been around for a long time and the roots are deep and entangled. Now so think about how that that encourages us to pray and to work to uproot things in society, in our culture, and in our lives. Uh, even with our little bit of faith, over time, God can use us to deal with those things. Think about racism. Uh, the roots of racism are just um, in, in 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 our in our hearts. Um, it, 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 we, we see it all about. It, it, it's deep. It's, the roots go deep, they're entangled. Um, and, and yet, over time, with faith, as little as a mustard seed, by the grace of God, we can break the, the root of racism. The uh, same is true with abortion and, and other things within our culture and within our society. But in our personal lives, there are certain roots that get themselves tangled in our hearts. Uh, we say, oh, I can never get rid of lust or anger, or unforgiveness, uh, for that matter. And yet Jesus says, with faith the size of a mustard seed, you can deal even with deeply rooted problems within our culture, society, or within our own hearts. And then Jesus talked about uh, duty, uh, starting with uh, verse 7. He says, suppose one of you has a servant plowing or looking after the sheep, Will he say to the servant when he comes in from the field, um, come along now and sit down to eat? Won't he rather say, prepare my supper, get yourself ready, and wait on me while I eat and drink? After that, you may eat and drink. Will he thank the servant because he did what he was told to do? So you also, when you have done everything you were told to do, should say, We are unworthy servants. We have only done our duty. Now, this teaching cuts against the grain of the entitlement in in our culture. Uh, It it just totally is countercultural. The world's idea of success is to lord it over others. It's a feeling of entitlement. I get mine. I have my rights. I lord it over others. Um, Jesus' way uh, is the reverse. It's servanthood, which is actually the way to true greatness. Chuck Swindoll uh, writes, he says, Jesus' point is simple. This should be the kind of wholehearted devotion, the kind that does not expect extra reward that we give to the Lord. Service to him is its own reward. He may and undoubtedly will reward us with far more than any master ever gave a servant but we have no right to expect anything from our superior. I remember the pastor who mentored me, David Midwood, was a very straightforward pastor, would speak the truth in love. And a friend of mine, Tom Saab, was complaining to my pastor one day and said, I don't deserve this. The hard things I'm going through in my life, I don't deserve this. I deserve more. And my pastor, David Midwood, my mentor, stopped him and said, wait a minute. He says, all you deserve is eternity in hell. And you have been saved from that. Everything else is icing on the cake. Every, everything else is gravy. Uh, anything beyond heaven and no hell. Any, anything beyond escape from hell and eternity in heaven is gravy. It 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 is um it, it it is extra. And we shouldn't have this feeling of entitlement like God owes us. He is He is already through Christ given us the ultimate gift, escape from eternity in hell. Now the uh, eternity in heaven because of Christ. Uh, Pastor Rick Warren is uh, down at Saddleback Church in Orange County. He's retiring this year. And this past week I was talking with someone uh, from his uh, inner circle. Um, I shared with you a while back that when I had lunch with um, Pastor Rick a few years ago, uh, he told me that our churches, Purpose Churches, back then it was First Baptist Church Pomona, but Purpose Churches counseling ministry had saved his marriage. When you see uh, all that is accomplished for God's kingdom, to think that all none of that would have happened if it wasn't for you and, and, and the people before us and maybe some of you were here that supported that counseling ministry and that saved his marriage and the rest is history. Now, I obviously don't agree with everything that uh, Rick has ever said or ever done, but there's this myth out there that every megachurch pastor is greedy, and, and and just in this one area, I wanted to spell that myth. I mean, for that matter, our church is technically a megachurch. Anything 2,000 and bigger is considered a megachurch. Obviously not like Saddleback, but but we are that as well, and I just wanted to dispel that myth that every megachurch pastor is greedy. Um, Do you know that with Pastor Rick, the Purpose Driven Life that he wrote 20 years ago and its spinoffs have now earned about a half a billion dollars, 500 million, half a billion. It's the second most translated book in history after the Bible. Bible is the most translated book in history, second most is Purpose Driven Life. He, he earned a half a billion dollars from that and yet gave away about 95% of it. Gave away about 95% of it. that Him and his wife, Kay. Because I'm telling you, when you give away $475 million, your wife signs off on that. I, I, I guarantee that. He doesn't take a salary from the church. Uh, they have lived in the same house for the past 31 years since way before the book. He still drives a Ford Expedition from the 90s, doesn't own a boat or a jet. He bought, he bought his watch that he wears at Walmart, and uh, he loves to talk to a person that has a fancy, expensive watch, and his big joke is he'll say to them, hey, what time does your watch say, this big, super expensive, fancy watch? And and they'll tell him the time, and he'll look at his and say, so does mine, (laughs) meaning the watch I bought from Walmart has the same time as the one that you spent so much on. Verse 10 says, so you also, when you've done everything you were told to do, whether it's Rick Warren or whether it's you or whether it's me, as followers of Jesus should say, We are unworthy servants. We have only done our duty. Now, just like Chuck Swindoll said, God's going to reward us so much. But we should have a spirit of, oh, God. And that leads us to the next one, gratitude. Oh, God, I'm so grateful for what you have done for me that I don't have this spirit of entitlement. Instead, I have a spirit of servanthood. I've only done my duty. I am an unworthy servant. And that's the place to greatness. That's the path to real joy and happiness. So let's finish with gratitude. Verse 11, now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. Um, As he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance. Verse 13, and as they stood at the a distance, they called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Now back to verse 11. This village was somewhere in the border territory uh, between Galilee and, uh, and, and, and Samaria. And um, the Greek term, uh, let's go to the next verse. The Greek term for leprosy um, uh, is, is what today we know as Hansen's disease. And this term referred to a wide range of skin diseases but it was a social death sentence for these men and eventually it would be a physical death sentence so here we have Jewish and Samaritan lepers bonded together in their misery for the sake of mutual care and support just like us have you ever noticed when you people that you may not have felt like you had much in common with when you go through the same hard thing have you ever been part of a cancer support group or a grief support group or divorce recovery? When you go through a similar type of ministry, there's a bonding. These men took care of each other. They were bonded together. And that's what we want our church to be, a hospital for sinners and not a museum for saints. Now, they, they maintain their legal distance. It was a, a law that they had to stand uh, at a distance. So they maintain that. But then we go back to verse 13 as well. They call out in a loud voice, Jesus, master, have pity on us. This this word master, epistata from the Greek, it's a term found only in Luke and it tends to be in places where people are desperate. Master, have mercy on me. We see it in Luke 5, verse 5, where Peter says, Master, we've worked hard all night and we haven't caught anything. We're desperate. These lepers were desperate. Desperate people use it. And they didn't uh, ask to be healed. But they instead just simply say, said, have pity on us. Have you been there? You don't even know what to pray for. All you know to do is just say, Jesus, have pity. Jesus, have mercy on me. Verse 14, when he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. Let's hold it there for just a moment. This was the normal procedure for when a leper was cured. It's found in Leviticus chapter 14. Uh, The priest acted as kind of a health inspector to certify that the cure had actually taken place. Uh, Today it would be like, um, you've been healed, go get a COVID test. Same kind of thing. He says, go show yourself to the priest. They immediately understood the significance of his order and they started out for the nearest synagogue. And Luke's grammar suggests that the cleansing didn't take place until the men responded to the Lord's command. So literally it means in their departing, they were cleansed. As soon as they started to obey Jesus, in their departing, going to the synagogue to show that they were healed, as they did that, then they were healed. Verse 15, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. You know, it's been said that if people do not give thanks quickly, they usually do not do so at all. The other nine didn't do it right away, and so they forgot to do it at all. We need to quickly say thank you to God, quickly show our gratitude. Verse 17, Jesus asked, We're not all ten cleansed, Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except for this foreigner? Then he said to him, Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Um, This verb in the Greek language literally means he has saved you. It may be that Jesus recognized in this man the attitude that brings salvation. And so the other, all of all 10 were healed of their leprosy. But this one came back and he had an attitude, an open heart for salvation. And so Jesus sends him off with the assurance that it was well with his soul as it was well with his body. Uh, the other nine had their bodies healed but not their soul. This one man had not only his body healed but his soul as well. Full restoration means a saved soul, as well as a sound body. His his leprosy had led him to Christ. And so many times our needs lead us to Christ. Could I give you a chance to do that right now if you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And maybe the whole reason you're watching this, you're joining us, is because some need in your life, and it may not be leprosy, it may not even be a physical thing, it might be an emotional thing, a family thing, But some need has brought you to this moment. But God wants that need to be met. He he wants to help you with that need. But more importantly, he wants your soul to be saved. He wants you to be on your way, not to hell for eternity, but to heaven. And I want to give you a chance to do that right now. Would you pray with me three words, just three words. Uh, You could just say what the lepers said. Lord, have Pity on me. Oh God, as we were praying in that responsive prayer earlier, oh Lord, have mercy, have pity, have mercy on me. But three words I want you to say. First of all, uh, I'm sorry. Oh God, I'm sorry for the wrongdoing, the sin in my life. But the second word is thank you. Sorry, but thank you. Just like that leper, I want to say, oh God, Oh, Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. Oh, God, thank you for your salvation. And then please, please, Jesus, have pity on me. Have mercy on me. Say those three words in your heart right now or or, or out loud, say those three words, sorry, thank you, please. Say out loud right where you are, Jesus, have pity on me. Oh, God, have mercy on me. And I pray for whatever need it is that you are experiencing in your life. But the most important thing is that you have now received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And your soul has saved. That man's leprosy was healed, but he eventually died. But in the process, his need for physical healing drove him to Jesus and there he found something more important, more long-lasting and you have as well if you cried out to Jesus in that way. He has saved you and you are on your way to heaven for eternity and having things well with your soul is the most important thing of all. Oh God, we love you. Oh Jesus, like that one leper We give you thanks today, and we pray it in Jesus' name, and all God's family, everybody who agrees with me, said out loud, wherever you are, say it out loud, amen and amen.